to be joking. You've got to be joking. Now, when the treasurer wishes oh, to go no. there or not, I would forbid him going. Forbid him going to the Senate. To, uh, to uh, account for this unrepresentative swell over there. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Unrepresentative Swill podcast. Great to be here. We have an exciting guest lined up for today. Yeah. Well, little little peek behind the curtain here, Fred Rump. We actually have already spoken to the guest. So we know what's going to happen. Yeah. And that is standard podcast practice. So you guys get this by now. Yeah. But um, that I was a great was interview. Very good. And actually, post-interview, we had a very good chat with him as well. So I'm not sure if that'll be included. Some kind of extended cut. After or something. Yeah. With poor audio from us because we weren't talking into the microphone. But, you know, very in- insightful to see what someone from Victoria thinks about everything that's happening in Australia right now. Yeah. It is a very insightful opinion because over in WA, look, let's be honest, guys, COVID doesn't exist over here. You know, we're okay, etc. But when there's that genuine danger of COVID, it's actually... Very interesting to see. And also, like, makes you realise how lucky we are. Yeah, certainly. And we, of course, had that scare the last week and over this weekend uh, in regards to those truck drivers yeah. who tested positive, came from Sydney. But it basically, I think it's going to turn out as uh, they did not infect anyone and they saw very few people and all the people they saw... I think almost all of them have been tested and now have returned a positive, a negative result. I negative think result. They, <laughs> a positive result in terms of the news was positive. <laughs> the news was positive. <laughs> the result was negative. <laughs> um, and I think it was also all in like the town of Euclid as well. So, you know, how relevant is that really? Yeah. So I just, yeah, I can't help but feel like we're living on borrowed time here in WA. At the same time, I guess we've had two cases of the delta variant in the community so far like this one and then the one back in winter and it hasn't really materialized into anything so maybe we are truly blessed yeah i mean it's pretty standard stuff right something weird about wa don't you reckon speaking of wa rob i want to talk about the wa liberals very briefly oh as you should and one of the one of the most uh strongest parties in all of australia with that massive Two members right now all in right. Parliament. Settle down. Settle down, cowboy. I got to dunk on the Liberals when I can, all right? Settle down. They commissioned a, a big review into their election loss and a scathing report has come out and been made public about bullying and branch stacking and all that good stuff. And Sounds the great. leader of the Liberal parties has promised uh, uh, that they, uh, they must do better. Uh, yeah, I wonder how the shadow cabinet of the Liberal party is going to have to respond to this crisis. <laughs> Give them a break, Rob. All right? Okay. I'll try. I'll try. It's a sad day for democracy, though. How are they supposed to keep uh, the WA Labor Party to account? Well, that's a very good point. Clearly, they can't. And Mark can just do whatever he wants. Did you see that <laughs> disgusting photo that went viral last week of him in that high school style yeah. <laughs> jumper? That was the worst thing I've ever seen. Dude, he definitely thinks he's some celebrity nowadays. It's so funny. And people get into it. They're like, oh, yes, Mark. Daddy, killing Daddy it. Mark. I'm like, guys, <laughs> this guy 
But he's still a politician, guys. This guy We're doesn't Australian. We're really to hate care him. about climate change. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've seen a big pivot from ScoMo Morrison this week on strategy. Not a, not a pivot as much as a, a really gaining traction with the narrative now, which is once we get to 70, 80%, according to that Doherty modeling, we will be able to lift some of these restrictions and allow travel between states. Uh, and it's a lot more of a hopeful, optimistic outlook. But in terms of getting to 70 and 80% vaccinations, that's still the big problem, of course. Need the supply. And ultimately, that's the federal government's fault slash responsibility. Yeah. We also need the take-up as well, right? And Nick, I, I don't want to do this to you, but do you know what the Doherty Institute's funding is like? No. Is it just all government? I don't know, yeah. I, but I think it's a pretty well-trusted analysis. I mean, we trusted it a few weeks ago when it fitted, fit our narrative of uh, let's vaccinate people under the age of 50 as well. Yeah. I mean, look, it's it like seems all pretty these legit. Things, I've, I've gone through their website. It's like all these things. It's just, you know, the, the government likes to do that. They outsource it. They come up with a plan. They're like, okay, yeah, this is like the, the, you know, based on the scientific advice or the medical advice. It's just someone's idea, right? It's just someone's opinion. Yeah. Um, it's making value judgments and that's the value judgments the government have made. But, you know, broadly, I think, and we get into this more in the interview with Guy, we think that's a good idea. Anyway, I will leave it because we do talk about it with Guy. Yeah. What happened in Afghanistan this week, Rob? We've seen a fair few drone strikes, Nick. And once again, who'd have thought we were going to be talking about COVID and Afghanistan on this podcast? Yeah. And that was a as a response to the terrorist attack that happened on Friday night, I believe, yeah. at Kabul airport, uh, hours after Western intelligence agencies warned that that was a significant threat. Yeah. Um, so there was a drone strike. I think there's one suspected death of an ISIS K member, which um, I didn't realize ISIS had like offshoot brands now. Yeah, that's who they think they're responsible for the attack. I don't really know what to say, man. I, it's so sad that country. Yeah, it's really terrible what's happening over there. I, I, I maybe I'll flag the suggested reading for this week, which is. The Guardian's full story about how the Tampa affair changed Australia's stance on asylum seekers. And it's very closely linked to what's happening in Afghanistan now. Yeah. Because the a lot of the asylum seekers on Tampa in 2001 were from Afghanistan. And they were fleeing the Taliban's resurgence back then. And it's uh, very analogous to a lot of the people trying to flee Afghanistan now. And of course, so many people have been left behind. And there has been a bit of a bungling by the Department of Home Affairs in regards to visas and everything. Yeah. And ultimately, we have left people behind. And that's ter- That's really sad. Yeah, thanks, Peter, but Peter Dutton, once again, doing your job great. And, but, Nick, you know, I think there's someone out there who can, who can make this all great again, let's say, and stop terrorism once and for all by banning all the Muslims, as, as he'd say, out of his country... And, you know, really make America great again. In and he's back. Yeah, he's, he's back. coming back for 2024. He started his campaign four years out from the election. Yeah, so, um, getting there early. It might be a little bit difficult for him to, you know, garner the support now that's necessary in 2024, but he'll keep doing it, right? That's what yeah. he does best, campaign. That's what he did when he was president, right? 
Yeah, and it was a really interesting. I've heard snippets from the uh, actual campaign. He was promoting some local candidate as well for something. And the lo- <laughs> this guy was saying, all right, guys, it was an election steal, but we need to move on from that. And the crowd were like, boo, yeah, stop the steal. <laughs> and then Trump got up there and it's now become this amazing situation where Trump's supporters have even transcended him in their level of craziness. Because he yeah. goes up there saying... I've had the vaccine, guys. You should get it. You know, you should get it. It's good. You know, I'm not saying you have to. I respect your right to not get it, but you should Your get freedoms. It. And the crowd were like kind of booing as well. Yeah, bizarre. The fact that, um, you know, Trump has unleashed this beast almost in America where, I don't know, maybe before, prior to Trump, there was this underlining kind of racism and issues in America anyways, but he's just brought it all to the surface. And now that's past him in terms it's of evolving it's certainly yeah. evolving um getting worse and worse so thank you to trump for ushering a truly evil force in the world yeah and i'm so intrigued because anti-vaxxers they've seemed to have since COVID, anyways they've seemed to have changed into a new beast before anti-vaxxers were just like all these hippies and like random people like that in from my experience anyways and now it seems to be this weird mesh of byron bay hippies and alt-right Donald Trump supporters, which are the most polar opposite you could get, right? Yeah, what a strange union. But they agree on this. And isn't, isn't that, it great? Isn't that kind of beautiful? And doesn't it show that uh, no one side of politics is correct when they're at extremes, in my opinion, Nick? Yes, very dangerous. That's why democracy and compromise is so important, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, I agree, Nick. Great. Well, should we let our guest in? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, he's knocking on the door. Uh, it from Melbourne somehow. <laughs> oh, welcome in, guy. <laughs> welcome to the podcast, guy. What a treat to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me, boys. Hello, my my WA cavemen. That's what I'm going to refer to you as. Well, that's. I feel like that's very accurate. Yeah. I don't know what the virus is or is like at this point. It doesn't spread here. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard. Guy, you're our um. Our, our artistic friend, we'd like to say. Um, yeah, I don't know about that, but I'll, I'll take artistic. And you've also been studying in Melbourne for a long time now, since 2019? Since 2019, yeah. 2019. And you've, you've been in all the major Melbourne lockdowns, is that correct? I've missed, out of the 100 day one, I think I missed the first 20 or so days but then came back for, for the good stuff. You <laughs> came back for the good fight. Yeah. And Melbourne is still, has still experienced 200 plus days of lockdown. That's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So personally, I haven't been here for all 200, but I think I've missed like, I missed those kind of 20 days of the big one. And then, I think I missed like a week or something of another one, but then had a couple in WA as well. So yeah, personally, I think I've had probably almost 200 as well, which is, you know, pretty difficult. So you've been bouncing around and kind of getting the best lockdown experience from each state. Yeah. Yeah. You you could say that. Mate, why don't you head down to New South Wales? (laughs) Drive a bit further north. Uh, I I I don't think so. Me and Gladys probably... Won't be on speaking terms for a bit. Now, guy, I'm really intrigued because at the start of lockdown, we saw all these trends of making bread and uh, what other shitty lockdown trends were there? Anyways, 
what have you done in your 200 days? What's been your biggest achievement so far? It's a great question, Rob. I'll be honest, not very much. Jeez, I don't know. I've, you know what? Our first WA lockdown, you'll remember this. We worked out a lot together. That was good. Um, that's really gone downhill. Haven't, <laughs> haven't been able to go to the gym for like two months and months before that still hadn't been. So that kind of fell apart. I feel like I've gotten very into escapism bit through like either reading or you know podcasts or you know movies or tv or something anything to kind of get away from reality which sounds a bit sad but you know I feel like that's probably like my main coping mechanism with lockdown yeah 200 plus days is actually such a long time to be forced indoors except for what your daily hour of exercise that it's interesting to see how it's changed over time because it's not all i feel like the start there was that huge kind of wave of optimism about everyone baking bread and stuff and now it's just kind of garbage it feels like everyone is just you know just struggling to kind of stay afloat has that transcended into like feelings of of anger just being upset at whoever you think is responsible for this yeah, it's, it's definitely a weird one because, you know, I think even in the kind of 100-day lockdown last year, for a good portion of it, things were getting better. So, you know, you did kind of feel more hopeful. And I think what's really tough about kind of this year is, you know, we're just in and out and you don't really know what's going to happen. And I think my mate said to me the other day, kind of perfect analogy, and she was just like, Every time we go into lockdown, it's like we're underwater and then we come up for a breath of air when we're out of lockdown. And uh, if you kind of like the lockdown before this one hit when we were in like about to go into exams. So for us, it was like, you know, probably wouldn't have been going out anyway. That's all right. And then we came out for 10 days and now we've been in ever since. So I think on that analogy, like that's not enough time to get a breath of fresh air sort of thing. Um, and I guess who we're angry at, it's hard to say. And I don't want to speak for kind of all Victorians. Um, and I suppose I should also premise like I've got quite a unique situation because I'm at uh, a college. So I'm still able to see kind of more people than uh, others in Victoria have, uh, have been able to, which, you know, puts me in a very fortunate position. But surprisingly, I, w- I wouldn't say it's dangerous, at least from kind of people our age. I think, you know, we're quite, we're quite fond of, of um, Dictator Dan. But, yeah, I, I honestly don't really know who we're angry at. Gladys, probably. We're, we're not, a, not a biggest fan. Yeah, that's interesting because, you're, I mean, you're right that it's not getting better. That, at least in the Melbourne's lockdown last year, it peaked like after six weeks and then it was slowly getting or going down. So there was kind of that feeling that things were getting better, but I mean, I guess people would point to the vaccine now and say, that's our like route out of this. That's like kind of what people are being optimistic about. What is the vaccine supply um, take up kind of like in, in your area of Melbourne? Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely the vaccine is kind of the one thing that's giving us hope because especially with the Delta strain, um, you know, going in and out of lockdown, I think we'd be, we'd be feeling pretty rough. Yeah, as I said before, I'm at, I'm at college. So we were actually eligible for Pfizer 
uh, it wasn't very long actually. It was about a week before anyone else our age was um, because we're kind of a high-risk residential area. And, you know, the turnout, <laughs> I think actually here's pretty much what happened from my point of view. We were told we're a high-risk residential area and we were like, that makes sense because, you know, there's 400 people living on campus sharing bathrooms and stuff. Um, then people went to get vaccinated and it kind of depended on like the nurse you got on the day like some people got in and other people were turned around and pretty much like what high-risk residential zones mean is housing commission so like no if you're at college like you can't get the vaccine for that reason and then because it's a rural exhibition building which is uh you know 20 minute walk from all residential colleges part of uni uni mail uh i reckon they just would have got genuinely like thousands of students going in asking for the vaccine and then eventually they were like all right yeah you count as high-risk residential and then like two weeks after that you know anyone our age um could be it could get it rather so i think people in like our sphere you know the intake is pretty like impressive it's, you know, you see kind of just on like social media, people posting about like them getting their first dose kind of every day, like multiple people every day. Um, so that's really promising. But at the same time, it's not like too little too late, but it is like this should have happened earlier. And I think that comes from, you know, a huge complacency that the Australian government probably had when we were doing really well with the virus so early on. And also, Guy, how does it make you feel where in WA there's not that pressure to go and get vaccinated? And, of course, a lot of people are still getting vaccinated, particularly young people. But many older people uh, feel like they want to wait for you know, the vaccine of, of, that they would prefer or that they can just delay this decision until basically as long as they possibly can until they're, they're prevented from traveling and everything. How does that make you guys feel? It's, um, yeah, look, like WA has the lowest percentage of like vaccinated people at the moment I'm pretty sure so you know but it makes sense because like if you're an older person in WA like what are you missing international travel maybe and it's like besides that life's pretty much normal so you know like I do get it but it is frustrating what's more frustrating for me is when uh <laughs> this may be a bit of an attack on YouTube likes no it's not it's not just West Australians in general I think it's like when you when you go into a little five-day lockdown after being like, oh, Vic's in the mud, Vic's doing terribly, like 100 days in lockdown, oh, awful. And then everyone has a whinge about like a five-day lockdown. <laughs> That's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. Won't lie. They are very tough, mate. <laughs> like my, my dad was like, oh, I had, to, I had to wear a mask to pick you up from an airport. It's like, dad, I wore a mask for like seven hours a day for like, because we have to wear masks at college because, like, obviously there's so many of us. Um, so, like, we genuinely wear masks, like, you know, six hours a day, seven hours a day. So. Well, you still do that? You have to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do that, like, what? What are we in now, tier four or something? We do that from, like, tier two, I reckon. Wow. Is that, that must be so uncomfortable. I, mask wearing is, is, you have to get used to it. Yeah, well, look, I've had 200 days to to get used to it mate so you know it's good 
And I'd imagine your mask would be seriously high quality, right? Actually not. They're, they're, I need to wash one of them as well. They're like, one of them's like genuinely stained with sweat. It's gross. <laughs> but I've got like, I've got like 12. <laughs> My mum shipped me like 10 masks uh, early last year. So that, that was nice of her. Oh, Guy, how do you feel that New South Wales, um, always trying to beat the Victorians, has now surpassed the single uh, biggest kind of consecutive days of lockdown streak? So they beat your lockdown last year. Yeah. Does that kind of you know, spur up the fight in you guys? You're you trying to outdo them? Uh, also, most cases in a day as well. Just want to point that one. Yeah, by 300 or so, I think. We got... No, maybe we got 800. I think your highest was 600 and their highest is like 1,100 now. Really? I thought we got to 700 at least at one point. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think genuinely this sounds awful, but I think when Sydney, well, New South Wales, I suppose, had their like first outbreak that kind of led to this like bigger one, there was a sense of like, it's, it's nice that it's not us for once. And then immediately followed by like, shit, they're our neighbouring state. We're like not going to be able to contain this either. And I also think it's, you know, you are kind of comparing apples and oranges with like the Delta strain. Because I think as much as Gladys has certainly not done a good job from my point of view, um, I think it's difficult to compare like, you know, Dandrew's putting a lockdown in last year and eliminating the virus, for lack of a better word, uh, compared to this year, where that just seems, you know, a far more like foreign concept. And Guy, how does it make you feel the press coverage in compared uh, to Dan Andrews compared to Gladys Berejiklian? Because famously, she was, or now infamously, there was Murdoch Press, the Financial Times, said she was the woman who saved Australia. And there's that front cover shoot of her sitting on that couch. That was before, obviously, this New South Wales lockdown. And Dan Andrews was obviously attacked so hard by the Murdoch press last year. Isn't that just infuriating to you guys? Like, you know, she, you know, she could have acted sooner in this New South Wales lockdown and maybe things wouldn't have been as bad for Victoria and now, you know, New Zealand where it's spread as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. And I think also it's frustrating that, you know, Last year, we were going, hey, maybe people could support Victoria a bit and then nothing. And then she was like, it's like your duty to support New South Wales. And it's like, you know, if it just seems like a double standard to me. Um, What really annoyed me was the way she completely changed like her rhetoric about the virus when she like, came out and was like, oh, um, we've never been trying to get to zero cases. Like, we're not trying to eliminate it. We've always been going for, you know, this, like, vaccine, herd immunity. Like, that's always been the aim. And I was like, but it absolutely hasn't. That's never been the aim of any lockdown that's that's happened in Australia. So, like, I don't know, I'd rather she was like, oh, yeah, we're changing our tactic, blah, blah, blah. But she just refused to kind of accept that she's like changed her mind and changed her plan. Instead, she was like, no, 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 it's always the aim. It's not. Yeah, a lot of gaslighting. That reminds me of the federal government as well. I mean, ScoMo does that all the time. And Guy, yeah. what do you think about ScoMo's plan that he's trying to get all the state leaders around 
for the, you know, hitting these 70, 80% vaccination targets and then hopefully lifting some of the restrictions. Because I think ScoMo is now saying, look, it's impossible to eliminate, <clears throat> but once we reach high enough vaccination, we can end the national lockdowns, you know, maybe have isolated lockdowns, but allow travel and stuff. But we still have to, we'll have to basically admit there will be virus in the community still. Yeah, like I, I think especially with the Delta strain, watching what's happened in New South Wales, watching what's happened in Victoria, I think that actually is maybe a good call. I'm interested to see, what, what do you guys think of that? Because obviously you've had very different COVID experiences to me. Well, like the, the WA experience is so different. Um, so it's very hard to like really say because obviously we don't have it and like ideally we just keep it out forever. But yeah. I feel like that's not a very smart long-term solution, to be honest. I don't, I don't see a world where we don't live with COVID in some sense for the next three years, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, yeah, we're actually quite frustrated to some of us here at Mark because he is seemingly going down the route of we will eliminate it and you're not allowed to come here you know at all if you haven't been fully vaccinated and everything which isn't really part of the the plan uh, i just don't think it's it's possible with a virus that's so infectious even though you know i think credit to that position there's so many question marks about you know how are we going to get young young children even below 12 uh with this vaccine because like what what do they do they can still spread the virus they're not counted among that 70, 80% of the um, vaccinated population. The other thing as well is if people don't get the vaccine, we have to be willing to say that they might just die if they get COVID. Because mm. COVID can still spread in the community and they might just die if that happens. Yeah, for sure. Rob, have you, um, have you been vaccinated yet? I was listening to an earlier episode, which you hadn't been. Uh, I get my first dose on Wednesday, hence why I'm working today. Sorry about the change as well. No worries, man. No worries. I, I am almost fully vaccinated, guy. Thank you for asking. Um, in I assume so. <laughs> in four weeks. Four weeks, I get my second AstraZeneca dose. There you go. Mate, I'll get my second vi- Pfizer in that time. I'll get one and two in that time. Uh, un- unfortunately, I've, I've also lost touch with the common man and, and I'm a Pfizer boy. Yeah, I, just, I guess I'm just a true Aussie battler, just willing to do my part for the community. Yeah. All right. So I listened to Tom's episode on the pod and I've, I've got a bone to pick with him, but oh, also Aaron. it's then going to, it is then going to sound quite hypocritical because I'm going to also jump on his bandwagon. So bear with me. Tom got Pfizer and then was like, lads, just get a vaccine, any vaccine. It doesn't matter. You can't get the one that everyone wants. And then from that position, be like, just do the right thing. And this was before Pfizer was available to everyone. Yeah, he, <laughs> you had to say he, you, were, you lied to get it. Yeah, you had to say you were a, a family, household contact of a border worker. Yeah, which he was of his brother that lived in a different state or something. Yeah. Um, so I will say maybe that's worth investigating if you're listening to this as a federal police officer. Um, I hope Tom doesn't listen to the pod. He's going to come for me. It's okay. He won't. <laughs> but um, maybe a last question, guy. Yeah. Um, how, how do you feel about the anti-lockdown protests as they happen? Because that must be quite alarming 
when you're living in that state and under lockdown? Look, it is. I do think, I like, I, I empathise, though, with people. And I think, you know, people have lost their livelihoods and people cannot, like, put food on the table and there's not enough, you know, economic support and stuff. So I can, like, I can empathise with those people who are going to these uh, protests. What annoys me is, you know, if it was people going to a protest wearing masks and being like, we've, you know, like you've completely ruined our livelihood. That's one thing. But then it's like that group, which have a leg to stand on from my point of view, mixed with, you know, anti-vaxxers, people who are rocking up to this thing, not wearing masks, trying to start punch-ups with like police officers and stuff. And And then famously police officers' horses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, throwing shit at police's horses was wild to see. Um, but yeah, you know, I think some, some people at the protest, I'm sure have good reason to be there, but the waters are just completely muddied by, you know, other people. Also, the other thing that's annoying about it is it's obviously inherently just going to make cases spike up again because, you know, it's hundreds of people gathered, no masks. So like you're literally just making the situation worse and making it less likely that we will actually come out of lockdown. But again, you know, protests are meant to like disrupt and stuff. So you can't see where they're coming from. Oh, well, thanks very much guy for coming on. Do you, do you know our socials? I sure do. At Unroom presented swill. Fuck. That's correct. Yeah, that's good. Did you, did you see I started following the gram yesterday? We did see that and we really do appreciate it. Um, I was so, it's because I was following Facebook and just didn't realize I hadn't done it on both you're a great supporter of the podcast guy and we really appreciate that what are those socials it. just so everyone knows for sure Rob okay uh, at underrepresentative swill on Facebook Instagram and YouTube and at swill podcast on Twitter and please stay safe and I hope you put your well-being first and that we're out of this as soon as we possibly can be guy Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. It's been fun. Absolute pleasure. We'll see you next time on the cast.